the chariots of Egypt pursue the Israelites to the edge of the sea, and it's there at the sea where a one-sided battle begins. Egypt against Yahweh, on The Bible Brief. Want more Bible learning content like this? Sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social media. Links are in the show notes to this episode. Israel is on the move. Two million men, women, and children are in a caravan and headed into the wilderness, away from Ramses toward the Sinai Peninsula on their way to Canaan. You can imagine the buzz among the people. They had just seen the ten devastating plagues upon Egypt, and they had been delivered from the final plague on the firstborn before being thrust out by Pharaoh. All the Egyptians wanted them to leave lest God bring a plague to kill the whole nation. In the process, the Egyptians had even given jewelry and gold in abundance to enrich the fleeing nation of Israel. With no effort on the part of the Israelites, they had plundered the Egyptians of their precious goods. Yahweh had made a nation out of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. From an old man and a barren woman traveling as sojourners in the land of Canaan had come descendants of two million escaping from their Egyptian bondage on the way to the land of their forefathers. God was good for his promise. He had rescued his people, and he would give them their land. But not quite yet. He'd rescued his people, and now he would prepare his people to enter the land flowing with milk and honey. The people of Canaan wouldn't take kindly to the Israelites coming and settling there. There would be war, and God needed his people to be ready for war before he brought them to the land. That readiness would mean some time in the wilderness before heading to Canaan. Let's read what happens as the people leave Egypt, led by Yahweh their God. This is Exodus chapter 13, starting in verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, although that was near. For God said, Lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt organized as if for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham, on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day, in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people." God is not just leading the people through Moses. No, here we find out that God is actually leading them by two pillars. A pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He's visually leading the people in the way that they should go. And he purposely avoids leading them on the shortest route to Canaan. He knows that the people need preparation before they go to war for the land. So God leads them by these pillars into the wilderness. But don't miss what Moses does here, too. 
he takes the bones of Joseph with the people of Israel so that his bones can finally be buried in the promised land when they arrive. Around 400 years prior, Joseph had made his brothers swear to treat his bones in this way. And Moses, a descendant of Joseph's brother Levi, was fulfilling this oath made generations prior. These sentences are just brimming with promises being finally fulfilled. Hope is finally being rekindled for Israel. Moses hadn't forgotten the promise made to Joseph. And Yahweh had not forgotten his promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yahweh had defeated their enemy in Egypt. And now the people were to go on to greener pastures in Canaan. Or as it turns out, maybe not. You can imagine the shock of the people when God says to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Hahirath by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land, and the wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. You might think that after ten plagues that God is finished with Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But no, not in the least. God's final victory over the Egyptians will be here at Pi-Hahirath, here by the sea, we're going to see God's power on display in a whole new way. And it's going to start as Pharaoh realizes that he's lost his kingdom's labor force as he grieves for his son. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, What is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and he overtook them and camped at the sea by Pi-Hahirath. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Among 600 elite charioteers, there was an army with more chariots and more war horses. Pharaoh had taken the power of Egypt to pursue his labor force. He was going to kill or recapture his two million slaves, which would be easy. They had no way of escape. They were cut off by the sea behind them. It's not like that number of people could just swim across with women, children, and livestock. They had few weapons of war of the quality of the Egyptians, and no chariots. This was going to be a simple mission to retrieve these slaves that were lost in the wilderness. The people of Israel, for their part, appear to think something similar, and they soon despair. After crying out to Yahweh for help, they begin to betray their true fears to Moses. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Here they are questioning and rejecting Moses' leadership again. Despite the ten plagues that they had just experienced and the miraculous deliverance from Egypt, they still yet doubted. But Moses, for his part, replies with a remarkable steadfastness of leadership and faith. Moses said to the people, Fear not. 
Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Moses appears to have the confidence that God will deliver them, but he probably would never have guessed how God might accomplish his defeat of Egypt. But God soon tells him. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the army of Egypt and the people of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. This night would be a night to remember. You can imagine the surprise among the Egyptians, seeing a massive pillar of cloud move between their camp and the Israelite camp at the edge of the sea. Perhaps these Egyptians even had a sense of foreboding. They had seen the power of Yahweh as he had slain the firstborn in every house of Egypt. And yet, they also may have had a sense of anger and the fire of vengeance burning within them. Unchecked rage can quickly get a person out of his depth. But no matter, their sons were dead and their slaves were fleeing. This wasn't a time for fear. It was a time for vengeance. Meanwhile, on the other side of the pillar of cloud we read, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. What a sight to behold this must have been. What a fear-inducing moment, even for the Israelites. Would you have stepped into the sea with waters like a wall on both sides? Nothing holding the waters from destroying you, except for the east wind that was rapidly blowing? Perhaps the greatest motivation to go into the sea was knowing that the Egyptian chariots were waiting on the other side of that cloud, just waiting and biding their time for vengeance. That night, two million people entered the sea. They walked on dry ground. They took their wives, their children, their livestock, and they walked. Or maybe they ran. Because soon as the morning dawned, the cloud blocking the Egyptians moves out of the way. As the Israelites looked back, they could see the chariots beginning to aggressively move down the coastline to follow them into the sea. And it's at this moment that God puts an exclamation point on the ten plagues. God doesn't just send plagues. God wages war. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord and the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. It had been 80 years since Moses was found among the reeds of the Nile River. 80 years since the Egyptians threw all the baby Hebrew boys into the water. But today, just after the Hebrews walked through the water, Yahweh himself threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. God never forgets a single wrong done to those who are his. The Egyptians pursued the Israelites that day seeking vengeance, but it was God who achieved it. And 80 years ago, God's eventual judgment on the Egyptians began right there on the banks of the Nile. A baby Hebrew boy was drawn out of the water in his basket by the reeds of the river. Years later, that same Hebrew would lead the nation as they were drawn out of water too. In an echo of Moses' deliverance as a baby, the Israelites would be drawn out of what in Hebrew is called the reed sea. History doesn't often repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And just as Moses would spend 40 years in the wilderness of Midian, so too would Israel be bound for the wilderness as they prepared to enter Canaan. Egypt is defeated, and Israel is free. And now they follow the pillars of cloud and fire, not to Canaan, but into the wilderness. Join us next time as we see Israel in the wilderness with no provisions, no food, and no water. Two million people hanging on a thread and looking to Moses. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.